Welcome to Subtext and Discourse, a podcast taking you behind the scenes of the art world with the unique individuals involved in this famously opaque field. My name's Michael Dooney, director of Jarvis Dooney Gallery and host of the show. In today's episode, I'm speaking with gallery owner and art dealer Christopher Gee. I first met Christopher and became aware of his gallery at Photo London in 2016 when he was presenting new work from British photographer Stephen Gill juxtaposed with pieces from Japanese photographers Rinko Kawuchi and Rizaku Suzuki, among others. I took the opportunity to catch up with Christopher last July when I was in Zurich for a few days. We spoke about his journey from marketing executive to gallery director, what it was like opening a gallery in Los Angeles, how it compared to running his gallery in Switzerland, and how he became so passionate about Japanese and East Asian photography. Please remember to follow Subtext and Discourse Art World Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Leave a review and share with others who you think would find this interesting. Without further ado, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Christopher Gee. Oh, I guess with a lot of gallerists, you don't know much about them. Like You just know the work they present, you know, they're artists and their program. And to the person themselves, there's not really often much shared and... I discovered you were actually a successful advertising executive before you had a gallery. So how does one go from being at the top of their game in their profession and changing to something different? Yes. So I moved from art to fine art in a way. Yeah. (laughs) I definitely enjoyed my advertising days. It was a great time. It was like the end of the century, you know, the dot-com companies spending a lot of money in advertising. So I really had a, a great time. I had a great team. It was fun, but it was also quite exhausting because you have to constantly reinvent new, <laughs> something new. Yeah. And so uh, you have to constantly keep a lot of your mind energy. Like it's it's a lot of work. So in, in a way it was a bit exhausting on the one hand. And on the other hand, I could see that there was a, a change in the advertising world. Oh, okay. For me, like 9-11 was almost like a turning point where a lot of clients stopped advertising. And it was really like a change in time where I could sense that it won't get back to normal after mm-hmm. this event. And so classic advertising became less and less important and there was more like uh, direct marketing there was like it went into online etc so in a way i could sense that and at that very moment i got um, an offer from a big advertising network to buy the company oh wow okay and so i thought it's the perfect timing yeah and so i i decided to sell it completely and i knew so it's going to be another two, three, four years where I have to be with the company as mm-hmm. part of my contract. And But at the same time, I, I, I knew I need to find another career because it was not enough to settle down. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I started to collect art a couple of years before I sold my company, thanks to a close friend of mine who was a famous Swiss artist it's called Fried Honecker and he was a partner of my one of my best friends mother and so I started to hang out a lot of time with him and his mother 
And they, in a way, I mean, this was like maybe 10 years before I sold the company. And uh, so they opened the art world to me. And I started a little bit collecting like minimal art, like concrete, like the La Concrete. And then I started to be more and more involved in art. And uh, so in a way it culminated at the time of when, when I sold the company that I decided I wanted to become uh, an art dealer. Yeah, okay. And then at one point, I think it was at our Basel, I ended up in front of a big photograph by Balthasar Burkhardt, famous Swiss photographer. And he was at that time represented by Walter Keller, who was a founder of Scalo Publishing House, Scalo Galleries. He was one of the founders of Arcade Magazine. He was also involved in the founding of the Photo Museum Winter Tour. And so when I saw this photograph, I, I knew it has to be photography. And then I started to communicate, to exchange with Walter Keller at that time. And I, I decided to uh, open up a gallery and I decided to open up the gallery in Los Angeles because... Yeah, I, Yeah, I, I thought I've been uh, in Switzerland all my life. and uh, So that was the first time you lived abroad as well? Yeah, either way, yes. I, I was like a couple of months here, a couple of months there, but not like really living yeah. abroad. And so I, uh, I thought I have to get out of this country for once in a while. And uh, I did some research uh, where to go. And so... I ended up in Los Angeles and wow. How was that as a, it was a kind of a, a culture clash between Zurich? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like everyone in Los Angeles asked me, why on earth are you moving from paradise to this? You know, but for me, it was just extremely fascinating change. And I think it's a lot more difficult to open up any public, any kind of business abroad and particularly in Los Angeles, although doors flipped open like everywhere I went, which was really, I got really like a extremely warm reception by everyone. But on the other hand, it, it was still pretty difficult to, yeah. to, you know, just, and I, I never did that before. It was with the help of Walter Keller. Also the gallery's name was Scalo Guy at that time. And I, represented many of uh, great artists that Walter was representing in Switzerland. But still, it was pretty difficult. I mean, like a completely new environment. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't know anyone. Yeah, absolutely. And, <laughs> and if you think, I, I guess, in the context of a gallery, a lot of right. it is your network and the people that you have around you that you know. Absolutely. absolutely. So I, I didn't know anyone. And uh, I went there with my suitcase. I'd packed for two weeks. And uh, so the next day uh, after I arrived, I, um, I found space and I decided to stay and five weeks later I had my first show. <laughs> wow really <Yeah. laughs> that's amazing yeah, it's like going really to amazing. Hollywood and opening a gallery. Right <laughs> and it, it, it worked out well I mean I mean there's a lot of little details why it really worked out well but as I said like people were extremely nice and helpful. Yeah. Like the gallery next door they shared their address list i mean nobody would do that here yeah and another someone i, I met uh, she also worked in a high-end store and they somehow 
managed to get the address list of the MoCA. And so she was also happy to share that oh, with wow, me. And, yeah. and so my first invitation, basically everyone in in the art world in LA almost came to my opening, which was amazing. Do you think being an outsider maybe helped? And yes, everyone was like, yes, wow, think, there's a guy think, from Switzerland yes, here. Yes, yeah. I think that helped. I mean, I don't know how it is right now, but back then I like, like, was almost like 16 years ago as a Swiss, like as a European in general, but then even more so as a Swiss. Yeah. I met like a really, really interesting crowd in the city. And, and some of them I'm still in, I'm still in touch even after 15 years. Yeah. And crazy. So it's not as, they're not so super superficial as they sometimes claim. And you were there for four years. Yeah, three years. Came, oh, three years yes. before you came back. Maybe before we say about you moving back, Walter Keller, I think mm -hmm. he's quite a significant figure. I think maybe people outside the sort of German-speaking art world or the European art world maybe don't really appreciate how major he was, really. Yeah, he, he did a lot to photography. He was really a, a very interesting character. It was really fun to work with him. I think without his help, I couldn't arrive at what I arrived now. Yeah, because um, how much overlap is there from being in advertising to running a gallery? I mean, there's, there's a lot of marketing, like a, running a gallery needs a lot of marketing, but in advertising, there was a lot of photographic based campaigns. Mm -hmm. So we worked a lot with also quite famous photographers and I had to charge photographs, mm -hmm. you know, I had to charge before choosing a photographer and then, you know, the final work and the cropping and et cetera. So I, I guess felt you, quite you, comfortable. Yeah, with, I guess your visual visual literacy yes. was there. Like you, you could pick things and you knew what was good. Right, right. So that, that really helped. Like uh, I think I have a, I, I, I developed a, a good eye on photography. So that, that really helped. But, but basically it's, I always say it's, what I do now is I'm just sharing my passion. So whatever I'm passionate about, I'd like to share to my collectors and to the world, basically. And so it, it was completely new. So so I remember I had like this, like uh, every week I sent a, a list of like beginners questions. I mean, running a gallery is not rocket science, but still there's a lot of, you know. Yeah, there's nuance. <laughs> nuances, exactly. So probably every Friday there was this uh, uh, beginners questions number seven. Yeah. And I sent a list of questions to Walter. How do you do this? How, how do you respond to that? Uh, what's the best way to do this? Uh, and et cetera, et cetera. And so he was like, really like very. Oh, he was your mentor really. Then, he, was, he was my mentor. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. He was very uh, nice and helpful to answer all these questions, you know. You need to have the time and uh, well, just to be willing to share to and be, to be yeah, open to, be willing to share all this information. Yeah, no, it was really that was really cool. But then he he got bankrupt. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. like like three months after I after I arrived <laughs> in Los Angeles, he got bankrupt. Oh gosh, okay. Yeah, so got, he basically went out of business, and so I had to ship all my art back to Zurich. Oh, so that so was the that catalyst was, for coming home. So that's when I was like. There's this expression in German, and when it's called the Wasser, geschubst wird. Yeah. 
Okay, you learn how to swim quickly, yeah. Pretty, pretty quick. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I had to come up with my own, uh, my own program and mm-hmm. everything. So I had to learn it like really fast. Really fast, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess you would have still been able to. So that's really when you then made the shift to make it your space, Christopher Key, rather than that, that, Well, I changed the name when, when I you came, here. came back to Zurich, yeah. Yeah. Like you have a lot of kind of name artists that people would have heard, like you represent Roger Barlin, Miles Aldridge, Nick Knight, but you also have quite a lot of Japanese, South Korean, and a lot of East Asian artists as well. Like, was that always the case? Did you have them from the beginning? No, not from the beginning. I mean, I, I work with some Japanese artists for more than 10 years, but it was not from the very beginning. And um, I can say now that one of the focuses of the galleries, Japanese and Korean art, mm-hmm. it just developed in, in, into this, again, by just going after my passion yeah. and what I really like. And it, in the beginning, I couldn't even really explain what it, what like this Japanese photographer, why it is so compelling. Mm-hmm. Their art is so compelling and why I'm so drawn to it. And uh, it, it, it actually took a few years to for me to, to be able to explain, and it's still difficult to explain why. It, I think the main, um, what makes it, very special it has a lot of different levels in their art it's it starts with uh, there's a lot of spirituality there's a great admiration of of history heritage you know like there's always like almost like a reference to great japanese masters okay but also they and then the the incredible eye for design and for uh, details and for the little beautiful things in life Mm. but also they went like completely different ways like the provoke area in the 60s where this aribure bokeh like uh, all blurry and and out of focus and stuff when when every when the whole world was trying to have this perfect color image yeah they they went completely different way and uh, there's, there's so many things that you can discover. Even there's even things you, you don't even you don't even know because you don't know the the whole tradition. The tradition that was the word I was looking for, and all these spiritual details, you don't even know them because you don't know all the the whole what's behind all this. But in a way, you can feel it when you when you yeah. look at the image, and and a lot of. I've, I've seen sometimes that Western, like Western photographers, try to imitate mm-hmm. the, the look of these images, but they cannot get close to it because it misses all the, you know, all this spirituality. It misses the tradition. It misses the respect for tradition and for former photographers etc etc yeah wow okay that's all inside these these images and that's that makes it really really fascinating yeah absolutely i guess it's a much richer experience Mm -hmm. like seeing the images and really appreciating them because you know there's a different process behind it rather than i want to copy what that is and make it look the same you could say that it's almost hollow in a way like it doesn't have the same substance behind it yeah that's right and that's why I'm, I'm really drawn to it and I'm really looking forward. We have a lot of 
Japanese photographer exhibitions coming up. I mean, we will have a, a big uh, Rinko Kawuchi retrospective at the gallery. Mm-hmm. We're also working on a on an Araki exhibition. We will have uh, Risa Kusutsuki at Paris Photo in November. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's, again, a lot coming up. <laughs> yeah, wow. Yeah, it's really amazing. Have you been or do you go yeah, to Yeah, I've been twice to... Tokyo and, yeah. and once to uh, Kyoto and I'd love to go there every every year. I mean and and, and there's a there's a big Rinko Kawuchi show in, in Tokyo in October and I hopefully can make it there. Yeah. It's very fascinating. It's a very fascinating country. How is it for you then as a dealer or a gallerist presenting this kind of work in this context? Because I know I learnt quite quickly showing Australian art in mm-hmm. Germany, mm-hmm. that there is a different aesthetic expectation. Mm-hmm. And like we have probably like what you saw in the US, mm-hmm. we have a lot of big, colourful, very vibrant works. Mm-hmm. And particularly in Germany or in the northern part, they're more used to the sort of minimal, subdued, serious, like serious art. Right, right. And I guess coming to the industry or the to the art world new that was a learning curve for me Mm -hmm. yeah like everybody in different areas Mm -hmm. obviously when you think about it have different tastes but Mm -hmm. even regionally there's different expectations about it showing the kind of photography that you do particularly that you're quite drawn to the sort of japanese korean like east asian style of art Mm -hmm. how has it been for audiences here in kind of conservative switzerland and other parts of europe that maybe have different expectations of art, but particularly of photography. It's interesting that Switzerland, I, I learned that Switzerland or Swiss collectors are very open to international art. Yeah. Much more than I've seen it, like for, for instance, in, in, in the States where there's, there's, a, there's a little bit this saying that Americans buy American, mm-hmm. you know, Germans by German, you know, English by English. Yeah. And uh, it's, of course, not exactly true, but what Switzerland is definitely, although Swiss collectors are definitely very open to international artists and international art. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's something I had to realize. Also, there's a lot of company collections. Mm-hmm. Of course, a lot of companies by local artists or, or from their own country. But there's a lot of company collections or in- institutional collections. They buy everything. They're, they're not limited to Swiss artists. Oh, interesting. Which is yeah. really interesting and which is really great. I think, I don't know, maybe maybe it's the, a bit the spirit of Switzerland, like the spirit in Switzerland that we have to, I mean, we have also, I, I think almost nobody knows, we have one of the biggest numbers of foreigners living in Switzerland. 25% of this population in Switzerland are foreigners. I think it's the highest number in entire Europe. And, you know, we speak four languages. I mean, not everyone, but yeah. in, the, in the country, there's four languages. We There's like the French part, the Italian part, the German part. I think we have to get used to deal with uh, not just ourselves, but with other people. I think we, we, we are quite open well, do you think maybe, I guess, on the topic of Switzerland then, because you have the four different cultures under the one umbrella of the same mm-hmm, country, mm-hmm. that maybe your 
more predisposed to being curious because you have to be growing yes. up. We have to be in a way, and, and also, you know, it's it's a small country, and uh, we're dependent on foreign countries, you know, in terms of trade and everything. So we're, we're quite adaptable. Or we, we we are happy to adapt, and so we. That's probably also why we we are we are open to new things. Yeah, and also to foreign artists. On that topic of adaptability, we've spoke a little bit about it before we started recording. And I guess in particular, the artists you're showing now and some of the younger artists that you're showing, how has it been, or how has it been for you, perhaps, maybe this is a better way of framing the question, that over the like 10, 15 years of having the gallery, like how has it evolved for you, like finding new artists, but mm-hmm. then also growing with the collectors or bringing right. the collectors to new artists? I suppose as we age, we've become more conservative. Like, I don't know if I like new things. How is it for you to, as a gallerist to stay relevant, but also for your collectors to keep interested in what's coming up around them? It's a, it's, it's a very interesting question. And, and we, we spoke a little bit beforehand. As a gallerist, of course, I have my program. I have my, my artists. I have my great artists who produce great artwork. And, but then, like, you're in this daily routine and you show your artists and they have new works and then and, and you do another exhibition and then you show them at art fairs and then like years go by and suddenly it's like 10, 15 years later, you know. And so I suddenly had this thought that if, it, if this just continues like that and you're just getting older and your collector's getting older <laughs> and, and your, your artist's getting older and suddenly they're like all dead. And <laughs> no, no, I mean like... And, yeah, but, but, but I think that's kind of the normal evolution of a gallery yes, to and, a certain and so extent. If, if, if you don't pay attention to bring in new artists and look at new talents and uh, maybe, you know, go a little bit away from your usual path... Mm-hmm. I think it's 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 very important. You see that like galleries are going out of business and then you wonder why like they've been in business for 10 20 years and then suddenly they're out of business. I mean of course maybe they they just don't want to do it anymore or maybe there's like from that they they got sick or, or maybe they're just tired of doing it but mm-hmm. I think sometimes it's also that just the collectors and they they were just too old and didn't buy anymore and yeah uh, or maybe the art is not really i don't want to say trendy but it doesn't represent what's being yeah desired at the moment yeah it's difficult to say like are people bored of it or is it less interesting yeah i suppose you sometimes look for new nourishment and yes i think like with with any kind of input that we're receiving sometimes you're like i've had the same thing for quite a while now and i'm really familiar with it but what else is there there must be something different and I felt a little bit the same with how I'd selected artists. And if I think about the people that I selected at the beginning mm-hmm. to the ones that I select now, mm-hmm. it's almost like I've grown with what I'm looking at and mm-hmm. with what's being produced and what's being shown. And it's not to say that it's less interesting. It's just that it was interesting to me when I was then mm-hmm. and now I'm interested in something different. And I imagine with collectors and with most people that are constantly looking for new things that they've not seen before. Like, yeah, I want to see something different. No, absolutely. I totally agree. And it was really interesting with with John Yuyi that that we, on the one hand, really gained a lot of new collectors. Mm -hmm. 
from all over the world, which is really fascinating, like from the States to, to Germany, to England, to here, but also a lot of our like previous dear collectors. Yeah. They also were purchasing her art, which is, which is in a way really fantastic. Yeah. And in a way convincing that, that I was doing the right thing. Although there were some collectors who said that doesn't resonate with me at all, which is fine. But on the other hand, like really great collectors bought pieces, which they, um, they could see. There's, there's even one uh, particular collector who has a big collection. And he bought this one piece in the window with the, with the QR codes on it. And he's, 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 he's coming from a totally different collecting focus, but he says that's actually the future of what I'm collecting right now. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. Because that's like the missing link, basically, mm -hmm. to... to and, and he could see that. I mean, he's like really like... I call them super collectors, you know. <laughs> Which <laughs> is a cool word for people with, who who own like thousands of of pieces, and mm -hmm. and that he could see that in these artists that I thought that was really cool. That yeah, was, for wow. me that was the highlight so far of this new exhibition. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for sharing all your insights. Michael, for your time. Really, I, I'd love to, to speak even much longer with you. <laughs> or maybe there's another chance at some other time we can like sort of have part two yeah. of, of, of this talk. Yeah, that would be really nice. But it, it's today is a bit a busy day, so I have to yeah. run to my next appointment. All right. Well, thank okay. you for taking the time and yeah, look forward to the next time. Me too. Thank you, Michael. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Christopher Gee, hearing the origin story of his gallery and how he stays inspired. You can visit the gallery on De Straße 31 in Zurich, Switzerland, which is less than a five-minute walk from the Zurich Opera House. Otherwise, Christopher Gay Gallery is a regular participant at Photo London and Paris Photo if you're planning on attending either of these art fairs. As always, I've included links in the show notes to various topics we discuss, together with where you can find Christopher Gay on social media. If you have any questions or feedback about this or previous episodes of the podcast, you're more than welcome to get in touch. Subtext and Discourse Art World Podcast is streaming on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and every major platform. If you enjoyed this episode and know someone else who would appreciate it too, please send them a link so they can benefit from the insights. That's all for now. Thanks again for tuning in. My name is Michael Dooney, and you've been listening to Subtext and Discourse.